all right guys welcome back to another episode of pbk perspectives um as you guys know i have um wanted to bring on people uh that i obviously respect or admire and also just giving some more catholic influence out there for the young adults um and i have the pleasure of bringing on probably my favorite catholic instagram account um the man behind saint wave thank you for joining thank you for having me yeah so this is gonna be a blast we're gonna talk about a lot of different things um i'm really excited if you guys haven't checked out saint wave i hope uh, my man gets you know 100 more followers or whatever how many people watch this usually but he has some really awesome stuff we'll probably get into some of that and some other things uh but first as if you guys have listened before i do like to throw a little icebreaker question now um you are a, a man of the people you know you do have some spotify playlists um not necessarily stuff well one i don't have spotify so i've been thinking about maybe i should switch over so i could hear your playlist but i tend to go towards the uh the hip-hop direction unfortunately i'm trying to work on that a little bit but um as someone who respects your taste i have a very good question i'm very curious i've asked this before but i think it just shows so much about a person if you have three movies that you could watch for the rest of your life now you could always dissect these it could be based on genre i tend to lean towards let's hit multiple genres Maybe it's just your three favorite of all time, but I'll let you take the floor with that one. Okay. Um, that's a, you know, I, I consider myself to be a cinephile. I'm obsessed with movies and it's very difficult to choose that. But, and, and just a disclaimer, my, my choice in three could change in the next hour. But for right now, I think the three that come to mind for me, one would probably be the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Um, it's just a phenomenal spaghetti western. Sergio Leone, he's amazing, and you notice something new every time you watch it, so I wouldn't get tired of it. Um, number two, part of me wants to say Taxi Driver, but I might change that only because maybe I don't want to watch something so... Uh, so disturbing and frustrating for the rest of my life. So I'm going to say the taking of Pelham 123 from the 1970s, not the remake. And I'm saying that because it's still that 70s gritty New York, but there's a little bit more of a lightheartedness to it. I highly recommend that one. Okay. And then the last one, <laughs> Grease, <laughs> probably Grease. Um, I, I've watched it my whole life, and I probably shouldn't have watched it as a kid because you notice <laughs> things that just kids should not be watching in that one. But it's such a great movie, uh, and I, I never get tired of it. Okay, um, I've seen Grease, seen Taxi Driver, uh, not the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and not the original Taken. Um, you know, and I ask this question, and a lot of times I'm like hoping or expecting that I know all the movies because i like to like i'm not a i wouldn't claim to be like an, a cinephile or anything like that but i do i do really enjoy movies and like i i think i've done enough to where um you know you start out and you watch like a lot of fast and the furious and you're like wow you know what i mean like <laughs> there's there's a little bit more and then um me and wife had a spree of just aubrey hepburn audrey hepburn which is really awesome uh things like roman holiday and and all those kind of stuff was really classic taxi driver is really good um yeah i mean i think it, i think it shows a little bit a little bit about you i think uh the later you get like into i mean maybe earlier i guess is the right term i think you know okay that guy watches movies you know what i mean <laughs> at least in our generation because <laughs> if it was just monsters inc and something like that then maybe there'd be a little bit a little bit of a <laughs> little sauce there but anyways right. okay so as we start into this um how about you just give a little people about on your background um I don't know if you have, you know, a certain conversion story that you want to share. Um, we haven't discussed too much either, so I'm kind of learning as we go along. But, yeah. Sure, yeah. So, um, it's interesting. So, I grew up as a Protestant. My mom grew up Protestant in her upbringing, and my father grew up more of a secular Jew. And um, his conversion happened long before I was born, back in the 70s. And so they passed on their faith to me growing up. I'm one of six. And 
um, just a great upbringing and just very active within our sort of church community. And I think it, was, it really did serve as a good foundation before my conversion. Um, so fast forwarding a little bit later and after college, and I'm already active within my profession and doing a lot of contract work as a designer. I think I went through two conversions and conversion part one was more political. I was really apolitical and um, I didn't really invest too much in political thought and I think it's just because I was so young, but I had always been pro-life, but kind of to a point where it's like, I'm pro-life and I acknowledge that this is in fact a human being. I was taught that very young. My mom comes from an OBGYN background and this was passed on to us. However, um, you know, again, this is in my late teens or early 20s. It was just, uh, it was kind of a que sera, sera, vote for whoever you want, and it doesn't really make a difference anyway. At some point, I, I think I just grew up, and it was that I had to make a choice. Am I going to, do I side more with, and I hate these spectrums, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think it helps. Am I going to go a little bit more to the left or to the right? And I know that there are, it could be a little bit more nuanced than that, but I came to a conclusion that there were just some values that I wanted to hang on to or I wanted to embrace more of. So I got more into more of a conservative, uh, even libertarian side of this. And again, this is before I officially converted, um, but I was re reading a lot of economists and I was reading uh Mises and Friedrich Hayek and Milton Friedman and Thomas Sowell and one economist, and this is now getting into part two of my conversion, which is into the Catholic faith. One economist I really respected is named Dr. Thomas E. Woods. And he identifies as a libertarian. In fact, he's a, he identifies as a uh, anarcho-capitalist, but he is also very much of a Catholic, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around more and more as I'm uh, growing in my faith. But with him, he, he did a great series and he wrote a fantastic book called How the Catholic Church Built Western Civilization. Now, I remember um, beginning to read it and I didn't think I was going to get too deep into it. It was more of just that I liked him. And I just wanted to hear his take on it. And I thought it was going to go more into just um, Austrian economics. That same week, I went out to a bar. And I was with some friends. And there was some girl who was a friend of a friend. And I don't even remember what the conversation was. But she wanted to preface something. And she turned to me and she was like, you're not religious, are you? And I was put in a position where I was like, do I say yes or no, actually? Because I'm kind of wayward at this point. I'm not really going to to church and I'm not talking about this and I haven't prayed in a long time not really and I said no now it wasn't because I was trying to reject God if she had said are you a Christian I would have said yes but as a Protestant the whole this isn't for every Protestant because Protestants are all different but for me it was you're not religious you have a relationship with with Jesus mm. And there's a big difference. In fact, you don't want to be religious. That was the sort of teaching that we got. So mm -hmm. I said no. But I remember sitting in bed that night and just thinking about this. And I was like, why did I say no? Is that actually real? Is that accurate? And then I got to thinking more about hell. And it was just stuck in my head. And I did not go to sleep that night. And I think that was, that was really the beginning. And I wanted to know what's the truth. And it... Honestly, I don't think it was so much out of uh, for the love of God that I wanted to dive deeper. It was really for the fear of hell, which is probably not the ideal way of doing it. But I think that it's a, it is a way of, uh, that many people actually do sort of find God through holy fear. And so I was just I I just invested my time into reading backwards, uh, reading current theologians, reading into the reformers and what they believed and then going into the early church fathers and their commentary on the strict on the scriptures so you know as as uh, my patron saint john henry newman says when you're steeped in history you you cease to be a protestant that's exactly what happened and then i picked up a rosary one day just out of curiosity 
and Mary body slammed me. Okay, I'm in. Okay. Um, and as I, there's a lot there too because I feel a little bit of the political conversion type thing as well. Um, about what age is this happening? At least the two conversions? Uh, early to mid-20s for my okay. first one. Okay. Uh, which is very uh, less uh, less interesting, but there was a bridge between that conversion and the other one, and then I officially entered into the church in my mid twenties. Okay, all right. So you already been basically what, out of college at that point. Mm-hmm. That's okay. right. Yeah, because I I think that's an interesting one. I in my senior year, because um, my sophomore year of high school. Because I'm 21 right now, I'll be 22 in a couple of months. My sophomore year of high school is when the whole Trump Clinton thing was happening, and so I thought that it was pretty clear who the like vote would be uh, for my peers because I found myself in a lot of like these AP class circles and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, these people are smart. Like, like we I think it's pretty clear that that Hillary's like a fraud and a criminal at this point, and I thought that was like going to be shared by other people. And then I had this conversation where someone was like, you're not, you wouldn't like actually vote for Trump, would you? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, aren't we, isn't that what we're all doing? And then when they're like, oh no, of course not. And I was like, what? And then that was the point for me. I'd already been, I've been like basically cradle Catholic. And then I started to feel like, oh, I actually need to like understand more of not like, oh, is it wrong? I knew that it was the right choice in that election, but sort of try to go back and say, okay, if I'm going to go and have these conversations with people, I need to be armed with the reasons why I, I feel a certain way. And so I got big into more politics stuff. I read a lot of Milton Freeman, Thomas Sowell as well. Um, and then obviously the usual, because I'm a you know Gen Z or a lot of Stephen Crowder and Ben Shapiro for a while, then I kind of <laughs> stopped, stopped going that direction. Um, but I find... I want to read that one about the the Catholic uh, Church being basically the the bedrock of the West because the anarchist capitalist thing is a little bit interesting because I've been for the last well I don't even know last semester when I just graduated till now I've been really diving into like Chestertonian distributism um, which is very interesting to me now that this isn't necessarily what the podcast is about so we will get into that maybe for another time um, okay yeah so. I what I'm curious about too is kind of the direction I guess a little bit more about like how you got to the place of sort of Saint Wave right like I know it seems like that it was something that was kind of in your profession and then obviously the faith kind of influenced that but like how did we get to that point oh I have a lot of experience with design and initially um, when I was in college my my plan was to go into medical journalism, uh, not medical journalism, me medical illustration, excuse me. And it, it switched. I just fell in love with, um, with branding and marketing and uh, just uh, things related to that. And so that's what I pursued. And so I was doing a lot of work for many years with different, uh, just doing contract work with different retailers and magazines. And I had stuff in nylon magazine and at urban outfitters and i was doing stuff for certain television shows uh but one thing that i had always wanted to do that i never did was just design what i wanted to design and there were even times when and it's funny because this is before my conversion there were times where i was just not comfortable designing certain content and they were confused the, the people i was contracting with they're like why can't you just do this one and I was like, I don't know, it's just, I, I don't feel comfortable with it. You're going to have to pass it to someone else. So uh, over time, I, I continued to do contract work, and it was, uh, I, I was also doing it as a side hustle. And then a few years ago, I just decided I should just start doing something. And I want it to be low risk because I'm just, I'm not a risk taker as much as perhaps I should be, but I'm very methodical in how, what I'm approaching. So it started out with just bumper stickers and it was just a way for me to create something and I wanted it to be Catholic. So Saint Wave began and it began with just the make the mass Latin again sticker. And then there was also the uh, pro 
uh, pro-woman, pro-life sticker as well. And I just kept doing it and I was having fun and I was posting it on, on Instagram and there started to, to be a following. And then eventually, uh, a couple years ago, I just started to do more apparel and that's become really my go-to because I just think it's way more fun. I think people are more enthusiastic about it. I'm enthusiastic about it. And even just for the sake of marketing, uh, and it has nothing to do with the actual sales, but even just creating memes just as a means to attract people has been, I think, just the, ter the, the, the cherry on top. It's just been so much fun. So that's how I got to where I am now. A lot of experience with designing, but wanting to eventually do my own thing, but primarily something Catholic. Yeah, I think the one where, because uh, what happened, I think, I don't know if it was me or my friend Christian, but he had sent me one of like the memes. And I was like, dude, who is this guy? Like, this guy just this guy just gets it in all certain levels because it's like, you know, you have a Catholicism or whatever, which is like a very just grimy set of crews and all these guys yeah, yeah. and um not as creative um in some of the ways pretty funny still um can get kind of toxic i see in the comments those kind of can get wild in those comments um but i was super drawn i remember uh the one of the ones that i was like oh my gosh this guy's just too good it was the uh the tame and paula taylor marshall one and i was like wow that's that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a that's a masterpiece dude <laughs> that one was so good and then uh yeah but i think a good point I think that kind of missed an opportunity earlier because as you're in this journey, I think, yeah, you're reading church fathers and then you made a point where one of your stickers is make the mass Latin again, um, which I wholeheartedly agree with. But I think I'm just curious a little bit towards like when you're in that process, this is like around the second conversion and obviously you don't have parents who are practicing Catholics. Like, how are you going through those hoops? I guess we're kind of backtracking a little bit, but like, what are, are there some major obstacles in the way or was it like you read the church fathers who were like, okay, I'm good with that. Like I had questions about Mary or the Eucharist and they answered them. Yeah. You know, and I think for a lot of people, it's when they go through a conversion, there might be one or two things or maybe more that they perhaps can't wrap their heads around or they don't believe, but they're going to go ahead and proceed anyway because they have every reason to. And so they're almost taking a uh, Pascal's wager approach to it, where it's that they, they don't really believe it, but they're going to go ahead and, and live as if they do because they want to and because the rest of it makes sense too. So for me, I, I understood where the church came from. I was fully aware that Christ established one church and that it happened to be the Catholic church. And so I understood... Uh, apostolic succession and I understood the true presence even though I it's it was still a mystery to me and I couldn't quite get it and I think that's how it is which is why it's a mystery but I was willing to um, at least intellectually acknowledge that and I believed it intellectually uh, when it came to Mary it did take me a little while not that I didn't want to offer her devotion and honor but it was trying to figure out how to do it and it took me a while to actually say her name uh, not because it was that I again that I that I had a problem with her it was just very different from my Protestant background I remember talking to my father about this and he was like you know um, for the first three years of my life I would pray to Jesus, but I wouldn't say his name because I couldn't get myself to do it. It just took some time. And so we had a good conversation about that. But there were just a few things that I I knew intellectually, but, uh, you know, just this might sound cheesy, but like in my heart, it was a little bit harder to actually get there until finally just really putting that time into prayer. And um, eventually when I was received into the church, going to the sacraments, um, it was fully aware to me. I think one of the things that you can kind of tell already um, and that you said it already is that you're very methodical and it seems like this kind of carries out in a lot of different ways. And I think it should be that way. Um, one of the ways that one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on once, because I feel like there's not too many sort of Catholic creatives out there 
that are really trying to sort of like push their boundaries. It seems like we just always hop on a trend two years too late. And then we try to like sort of mask it. Like I thought buses, she did a great job of sort of like capturing the trend of what feminine Instagram looks like. And they've been doing a really good job of that. And it's, we're going to get to the weird part of social media, but I think a question I have is that, is it sort of that same methodical approach towards when you're creating something as simple as apparel or a meme or Taylor Marshall and Tame Impala? Like, do you have those things of like, what message should I get across here? Or is there something, you know, I'm sure some of them are deeper than others, which is, I assume for the Taylor Marshall one, it wasn't that deep, but I think in your process of creating, are there things that you see, like what are some inspirations behind it? I know there's a lot of like sort of older vintage era type things that seem to be a big uh, inspiration as it is for me as well. Uh, I'm obsessed with just finding old pictures of saints. Um, that's like my favorite thing to do in the world. Um, and obviously Fulton Sheen, those kind of things. So is that that same kind of approach to certain things? Like what kind of sparks in your head? Okay, I need to create something with that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really just the things that I love. I think that's where it began because I love the church and I love my Catholic faith and I'm so grateful for it that it started there that I just wanted to do something Catholic. But then eventually I had to think more about what sort of aesthetics do I really want to put in here that's still important. Um, and so I think the biggest influences could be the uh, just traditional iconography, because I still incorporate some of those. And the St. Joseph Terror of Demons design is probably still the biggest seller, and I think it always has been. But then I also have an appreciation for sort of this 80s yuppie culture, um, not necessarily the debaucherous part or the me-me sort of uh, focus on yuppieism, if we want to call it that, but sort of a tongue-in-cheek look at it. And um, I, it, maybe it's this sort of like leisure culture that you're kind of seeing now with this leisure aesthetic. But I've, I have always liked it. I always liked the simplicity of it. So I like to put that sort of thing incorporating it. And then even this sort of hardcore punk era of the 80s of the Descendants and Black Flag and and uh, suicidal tendencies and all these guys. I, I just thought that it, it made sense to do something of a parody with these because a lot of, especially young Catholic guys who go through a conversion, they, a lot of them seem to have a background with this sort of 80s punk era. And I think that what draws them from that into Catholicism is that there's still a distrust of the world that they had in their punk days. They still, when you listen to these songs from the 80s and the teen idols and crass and all of them, it's basically like, I don't trust you, world. You're, you're, you're pitching me something and I'm not going to take it. There's something, uh, there's something sinister behind this. And they never get to the next part, which is, oh, it's God. And it's that he loves me and that there's salvation and that there's hope. And I think a lot of Catholic guys that do that conversion from punk to that it's because they actually found the answer that these punk bands didn't So it made sense to pay homage to that and do a lot of those too Yeah, I think I, I love that so much because I always Like we had an episode on the false rebellion of the youth and you look at the the influence of culture um, From all those bands obviously like the rage against machines or or even NWA that really transformed what rap was to be and this always like this message of sort of the world's against you and um, and even to like Kanye and then I think why obviously Trump had won an election. Um, and it's so fascinating to me because I'm like, I feel like being Catholics more of like the biggest middle finger to the culture. And we want to like act like, you know, people in the culture are doing that against the Catholics, but it's just really not. I mean, it, it isn't. It's like you're almost there. You know, I think, you know, I, I've said this before, but my uh european history teacher back in high school had told us like if you take anything away from this class it's the question everything and at first i thought it was like you know a classic like lib take on oh yeah you know all this stuff and whatever whatever it'd be the the societal structure of gender or whatever i don't know what his intent was in saying it but i thought that was very true what he was saying and to find and seek out that why um so yeah i i love a lot of that i think it comes across so well too. And I think one of the great, uh, greatest things about the account is that it just feels super authentic. 
and there's just not a lot that that are similar to those um to, to what you're creating i i have a another question too because i love what you do i don't know if you know who oh blood and water is do you know uh he's a videographer photographer he did some oh, work yeah. past the ages as well yeah i think i know who you're who you're talking about uh he's not the surfer i'm thinking of or <laughs> He did have I, one where he had a where he, he was like surfing with Father Callaway. I don't know if you've seen that video. That that video is so sick. Yeah, so it's he does have that one. Yeah, and he lives great. in a van and he like travels. Yes. Okay, yeah, it's the same yeah. guy. Yeah, he's excellent. Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, like, I look at you and that guy as like people who are finally kind of like breaking out of this like <laughs> very non-creative box that we our Catholics uh, us as Catholics have put ourselves into when we are the one making these massive cathedrals and then now we just put velvet in everywhere and it just hasn't been great. And so I look at you guys as such a breath of fresh air and I'm curious, although, you know, this has become seems like a little like passion project hobby of yours. Are there things that you're kind of eyeing down the road to kind of use this? Cause I think you're gifted and there's space for it. Um, you know, I think there's potential for collaboration between me and you, but we could talk about that off camera, but do you see like some big projects or is there anything in in the plans of St. Wave or even outside of that to use sort of your creative gifts? Um, I'm still exploring that. I'm kind of taking it month by month or quarter by quarter. Um, I mean, right now I'm just doing the uh, Summer of Saints collection and that's for this year and it's, it's already being released. So I'm not thinking too deeply as far as branching outside of what I'm currently doing. Um, no, I mean, it's the thing, I think one of the things that I just enjoy about what I'm currently doing anyway is that it's not too serious, which I think is what we need sometimes. And I think we, we need that in the church. And that doesn't mean that we should be too comfortable or live 100% leisure, but there should still be an appreciation for leisure. God gave that to us. And I'm, I, all I'm trying to do is put some humor into this, where we have the the ability to um, to laugh with our with our Catholic faith, and also look at the appreciation and the foibles within humanity, but the fact that we have joy because we're also saved through our faith and our and our uh, and the works that fuel our faith as well. So, I, it's. I think just right now, in the meantime, trying to keep it light, and I don't have any intention to do anything as heavy. I think Blood and Water is actually going a little bit deeper into that. He actually seems to have a great grasp on what the aesthetics need to be within the church, whereas I'm just sort of just doing something a little bit more parody, but something that is uniquely Catholic, that Catholics would actually get the joke. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys are both doing... Um sort of like the only two that I've seen doing exactly what you guys are doing. And I hope to join that crew eventually. Hopefully it'll come in due time. Um, you know, I think one of the interesting points that we can kind of dissect here is social media because uh, I think it's everyone's like favorite thing to like sort of hate, but then you're all kind of still on it, you know? And I think it's an interesting point where like um, there's always the reels and, and, po and like pictures and posts of, all the reasons why social media is bad, but it's like, you know, you're still posting on social media. So there's always that sort of, <laughs> sort of dichotomy with it. Um, mm -hmm. But I am curious on, as on your take, because I feel there's so many different parts of social media. Um, one, I obviously there's the good parts of what we can use. I think you've done a good job of that. I try to do a good job of that um, through world of blaze through pre BK. Um, but there's also this like constant pressure and need. I know Matt Frad's talked about this, to like make posts and you have to kind of like worship the algorithm a little bit. And there's some things that you have to do. I notice what I like about you a lot is that it seems like you don't really care about times or when people are on you post when you want to post, which I really appreciate. And I think that's what we should get back to sort of a, a Tumblr sort of era of, of social media. Um, so there's so many different things there, right? Like, and, and I think I hate, I never wanted to, even with the podcast or anything, come out with a podcast for the sake of doing it. And there's so many different things that you have to kind of jump through and you just want everything to come up across as authentic as possible. So I'm just curious on your take overall with like social media, how to navigate those kind of things. 
Yeah, it's probably sporadic for me anyway because I have such severe ADHD that I have one idea and then immediately I forget it, but another idea pops in and it's like, I better post this now, otherwise it's not going to happen because it's going to, I'm going to forget it. Um, so, but maybe that's worked out. Maybe it's been for the best. Um, I, it, it's definitely all in moderation, that's for sure. And I think anybody with a brain would, with half a brain would, would say that, that um, too much of it would be for a bad thing. Um, I do have my, my pet peeves with it. And maybe it's the TikTok sort of era that we're in. And we're seeing a lot of that crossover into into Instagram and it's not all bad but for the most part I'm just like this this whole trend again or this this thing that's just me uh, um, I think my biggest concern with social media it's not even so much with adults but there's always concern with adults doing it but of course it's with kids I don't think they should be on it that's just me um, I know that when my wife and I have kids and you know hopefully God will bless us with some soon but when they get to that age and assuming that social media is still going to be a thing and they're older, they're not going to be on it. We're not going to let them on it. I don't trust, I don't, I don't trust the, the system to, uh, to allow kids to do that. And I don't trust people either. Yeah. I wrestle with that one too. Hopefully same over here that God blesses with some children soon. Um, that's a, that's a difficult one. And I'm glad we have a lot of time to figure that one out and we'll see where social media heads. Um, staying on the social media topic, though, um, like I said, there's some great accounts. I think Blessed Is She, you, you, uh, Blood and Water, some of these people that I, I really, really like and I think are doing something that's still authentic and feels like themselves. Um, obviously, Catholic Connect's a huge one. We mentioned, um, you know, Basic Catholic Austin does some good stuff. But, you know, part of me, I say this a lot. But I feel like the Protestants really got the hold on the aesthetic, the aesthetic piece of, of Instagram. Now, there's some good reasons for it and some bad reasons for it. Um, but yeah. I'm kind of curious where you see sort of the lack of, like, are Christ, are, I mean, are Catholics lacking in some ways in terms of social media in the age that we're in right now? And I, I know this is a hard question because part of me feels like, okay, I don't want Bishop Barron or... Let's choose someone that Bishop Strickland. I don't want Bishop Strickland talking like Stephen Furtick on a, in a really nice stage in the setting. I'm not necessarily asking for that, but maybe for the lay people, like I think yeah. there's room to push ourselves a little bit into a point where I think you and I do agree that aesthetics do matter. And there's a lot that you can get out of it if they're used in a right way. Um, and I think, you know, Catholics just kind of suck at it. <laughs> to, to a certain mm -hmm. extent but then there's also good reason for it right i can see the flip side well we don't really care about that stuff you know we care about all the you know good things in life and those aren't but for people who are you're trying to reach that aren't necessarily have that solid foundation i think aesthetics or some of these things are a good way um you know for lack of a better term vibes good vibes and those kind of things in a post or in a feed can really drop some people in um and so like do you see an issue there or are we kind of like in our space and it's the right space for us to be in? Uh, we might be in the right space only because we don't want to, we, we don't want to pervert the, uh, the authentic aesthetics of Catholicism, which would be the icons and the incense and these sort of sacramentals that were given to us because we're humans. And so we're, we're drawn into these things and it's how we connect to God. I remember a while back, maybe uh, back in 2014 or something like that, there was this guy who did spoken word poetry. And I, by the way, that's like my least favorite form of poetry. That's just me. Maybe, maybe we're opposites of there, maybe not. But it's just, it, it gets under my skin. But he did one, and he's a Protestant, and the, the message was... I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it was something to the effect of why religion is bad and why Jesus is good. Yes. And yeah. I don't why know, I love Jesus, but hate religion, I think is what it was. That's the one. That's yep. the one. Yeah. And it, it was, uh, I don't want to put him on blast too much because I really think that his heart was in the right place. 
I disagreed with it theologically. Um, some of it uh, made sense, but I don't agree overall with what he was saying. But then I remember there was a response video mm -hmm. from a priest, mm -hmm. and I don't know the priest's name, but he's like a rapping priest. Um, maybe maybe you're more well informed about this guy, but I he did a response. He did it in a Catholic uh, in, in a Catholic chapel, and stained glass was there, and it was a beautiful chapel. But on the other hand. I was like, why are we doing this here? Maybe I'm being too legalistic, but I, I, there was just something a little bit weird about it. And I kind of like the idea of keeping that part of it out of, um, I don't wanna say out of the mainstream, that's not the right way of putting it, but just not not perverting it too much. And I don't, I don't wanna, accuse him of perverting it either through what he did but it was just a little bit off i don't know if we're gonna i don't know how to get there but one thing's for sure the beauty of the church that we have like aesthetically is unlike the world and that's something that we have that even the protestants don't have yeah yeah no i completely agree i see that there can be sort of a, a mixing that's why i said like i i don't really like the sort of reels that we're getting into now where it's like this snippet of a priest's homily supposedly but he's looking directly into the camera and it seems like this production thing and i'm like uh you know we're kind of mixing up two things here and probably sending a wrong message which is why i said i don't really want to see bishop Barron doing the stephen furtick thing because you know they can do that when they just have a stage or something like that um you know i think franciscan can get that a little mixed up sometimes they like to do a lot of masses in a gym and get a little <laughs> get a little weird sometimes so no i i completely get that there is one thing of of slam poetry type of uh <laughs> that that i enjoy uh from 22 jump street i don't know if you've seen that one that one was pretty good when jonah hill uh, does it yeah i i don't remember that one. i mean i did see it it's funny my wife and i have been watching the tv show lately like the oh the yeah yeah. The, yeah but With johnny uh, depp yeah yeah um, I don't, yeah, I don't remember that one, but it was, uh, the Cynthia Jesus dies for our Cynthia's. That was a pretty oh, good yes. one. I encourage, I encourage yeah. people to, to check, check that out if you're, uh, into that spoken word type stuff. But okay. I think this puts <laughs> us in a, in a really good place, um, for these last few questions I have for you, because I think, you know, if we haven't made this pretty clear the there's a lot of sort of space for nuance and, and sort of obstacles when you're getting into this point of like how much should we look like the world right like take some of the good and then really trying to let the truth be illuminated through that kind of stuff and um in truth goodness and beauty and then there's a tricky part of like well, what is good right and i think that's a tough one and now um i think we would both consider ourselves trads i don't know if you want to give yourself that title i'm, I'm what does trad mean I mean, I, I, I use the word, and, and yeah. I, I generally know, but I think there's so many different ways of describing it. How, how are we going to use the word today? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know how I use it. And I think, well, it, what really irritates me is that I think, I don't know how you could not be a trad, which is just short for traditional. Like, I think that's just meets Catholic. But for some reason now with, um, you know, the unfortunate different sectors we have in the church we have to some for some reason say those things so i would i would characterize a trad as um really just an actual <laughs> an actual catholic or someone i guess at a basic really basic level it's like you like the latin mass essentially and uh you kind of want to do away with a lot of the liturgical abuses and things like that i think that's fair enough right i think we could probably agree on that yeah i mean it sounds like a glad trad and then you've got rad trad. So I, yeah, I mean, I would describe myself as that. Okay. Yeah. We don't get into that. That, you know, that's a touchy. I, I like Scott Hahn's glad trad thing. I'm not sure about the characterization of rad trads. I think that can get a little political and unnecessary, but I think we can both say we're trad. So my next question is, okay, what is the middle ground between sort of cool and trad? I don't know if you had people 
maybe like in one of your memes they're like oh dude why are you using that that's like so a secular thing that you're trying to make i don't know if that's happened to you i'm sure maybe it has because people always feel the need to like insert their opinions on social media um but i struggle with this a little bit too of like am are you trying to imitate too much of sort of the world when we're not supposed to be looking at it but then or not supposed to be living in it but then it's also like there's some really good stuff i think we should probably take a little bit more notes from uh, some secular movies so that we could learn how to create better ones or um different things like that like certain clothing or whatever it may be there's a lot of room there so i don't know it's hard you know because the real real deep traditions of church would be like oh women shouldn't wear pants so where is that kind of middle ground it's kind of a tough one to figure out but here we are in 2022 yeah um and i wouldn't be the person to, to I, my my opinion on this would be incredibly fallible um I think at the very least, it can't, obviously it can't be something debaucherous and sinful uh, in an obvious way. So that's something that I, I, I wouldn't do. In fact, many times when I have um, models posing with the apparel that I have, now and then I'll look at something, I'm like, is this really what I, have, what I want to have displayed on here? And it could be something that looks incredibly innocent. For instance, a woman that's wearing like a um, an oversized sweatshirt, but she's wearing yoga pants. Now, it's not like the yoga pants are like front and center, but she's still wearing them. I'm not a fan of yoga pants. First of all, I'm not a fan of yoga, and I would say stay away from that. Yeah. But yoga pants themselves, they're it's it's a little bit immodest, and um, and I, I even have to try to find if there are guys that are wearing it and it's in an immodest way. And so I have to avoid that too. So there's, on one hand, there's that, just certain obvious things, even when it doesn't seem obvious at first. Um, I think on the other hand, a lot of what I'm doing is, there is some influence that you would find within the world or that came from the world. I mean, I said earlier that this sort of yuppie aesthetic is an influence and it's not in celebration of, um, of a me first mentality, but just sort of, just sort of an appreciation of the simplicity that I like. And it's, there's sort of a nostalgia element to it, but, um, I, I wouldn't want to celebrate actual yuppie culture in itself, um, because there needs to be a little bit of it. I think that it, it does at some point um, conflict with with uh, our Catholic morality. I guess, okay, so when you say cool, I want to make sure I'm also answering your question. It sounds like you're just talking about like how the world deems cool or something that's just cool in culture. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll pause there. And I'll let you speak because I think that's sort of a good place to begin that I, I there's certain things that I'm not going to include, even if it's something very, very subtle. Um, but there's still an appreciation for things that may have begun in the world. And maybe it's in maybe it's in parody of it, but um, sometimes it's just more of a, a very subtle influence. Yeah, I, th I think that's a good place, too, because. I, I kind of have a, a little bit question that may another question may clear clarify this last one because I'm under the impression that I think I actually read this from I mentioned this book a few times but it's from I think his name is GC Dill Saver or Sayer um, but he he wrote the three marks of manhood priest prophet and king kind of why I, I I read it because the podcast um, but he actually talks about how Catholics like should be the best dressed in the room. Now, I, I, I'd imagine that me and GC differ a little bit on what the best dress looks like, but I, I, I think that's an interesting question because I was having a conversation with somebody, and he says he said that no one's a Mormon because of, the, of their theology. People are Mormon, they're attracted to it because it's generally a lot of younger folks, people who are very passionate about it, and Mormons are generally like the best people I know. And, uh, you know, good looking, carry themselves way. They all dress very nicely to their services. Um, and I guess my question is, like, where do you see, 
is there a place i think there is a place where you can go too far i guess i'm not saying like hey bring your like swaggiest outfit and your most expensive to church dress properly like you're going to a wedding to mass um but do you think that there could be is there a middle ground i guess in sort of this way of is it wrong for catholic to care about their aesthetics is there because i could see both sides where i'm under the impression that i think that sometimes the way that you dress can really help out and if you're saying if you look at somebody that's just objectively attractive in a way that's not necessarily like a weird sexual manner but in a way that's like you know that person has something about them and usually dressing well will will do that kind of stuff for people i think mm-hmm. that could be very beneficial and i've seen it a lot of times in mass or in mass or just in culture where it's like it seems like catholics are just you know really <laughs> not cared for a long time in the sense of we got flip-flops and like football jerseys at mass and on the same token we have people like starting to dress like their grandpa, like right at 22, you know, they graduate college and it's like, we're fully grandpa now. <laughs> and I think there's yeah. a space like, am, am I wrong in that? Is that, I think there's room for, you know, let's, let's try to at least, you know, give it our best shot. I think there's room for sort of aesthetically pleasing um, desires and goals a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's all about decorum and it's about uh, making sure that at least when it comes to mass, we'll, we'll just start there. There's a respect element when we go to, a wedding, even if it's a, a you know a secular wedding, we still dress up out of respect for uh, for the people getting married. Same when we go to a funeral, and it's the same idea when we go to mass. We're just trying to show that we've actually put some uh, some effort into um, what we're doing there, and put some effort into our our love and worship for God. Now, that's not to mean that you go there and it's a fashion show and you're trying to actually you're trying to bring some attention to yourself that's a that's sort of a that's probably crossing over into a direction that it ought not to but there's nothing wrong from what i've seen what i've understood and what i've read regarding the church's position on putting some effort into your dress and how you look um you don't want to go goblin mode either. You, again, you need to make sure that you're being respectful to the whole thing and respectful to your family when you're with them or just anybody that you're around. Um, outside of Mass, it's probably the same thing. I think that, for instance, if... Let's take a 50-year-old man, and if he is wearing... I don't know, a, a Minecraft t-shirt, and I, I don't want to, you know, maybe he's got a kid or something like that, or his grandson, and it's just something that they've appreciated together and they've bonded over. I don't want to, it, it's not about Minecraft, I'm just using this as, as an example, but at some point we're also supposed to put away childish things, and we also need to grow up, and we need to age gracefully, and not in a, um, not in a, simple way but in a way that we're also acknowledging who we are and putting some pride into our ourselves but not because it's ourselves putting in because it's it's meant to honor god yeah you know if i could make this in a clear have you ever seen uh the talented mr ripley it's also a book it's with uh, uh, matt damon yeah some of it it's been years but yeah so i would sum it up as like when i think about what we should look like as catholics you guys have seen that movie it's jude law in that movie if we could look like that basically like 50s italy like if we could all look like that i think that's the direction that we should go to so we could move on from that one uh, i just have a couple uh, questions here um what do you think like the modern young catholic looks like and not, i don't think i'm not asking you to try to depict what's out there right now and say okay i think this is what they look like but what do you think i guess maybe they should or your idea of what a modern young Catholic should look like. I don't know if that's too tough or too broad. Like physically? Yeah, almost. Or like maybe things that they're into or like everything. Like I, I, I'm kind of curious of sort of your take on that. I have no idea. I don't, I, I don't know if I, while, you know, I just went on a tangent about how they need to at least age gracefully or, or, you know, acknowledge their, their age and their decorum beyond that it, i think that's basically it they just need to make sure that they're they're not it's not for the sake of putting so much attention to the, themselves where it's prideful 
nor is it that they are not growing up. Um, now, the funny thing is, I do see Catholics, and this is this is just me, and I don't think I'm right either. I think that I could be totally off. Sometimes you see them sort of um, LARPing, where or where they're they're dressed like they're going to meet Tolkien at the um, at the pub, and they're wearing like fedoras and they got bow ties. This might actually be how they authentically look, and so I don't want to say anything against that. But it's more of like now and then my wife will spot that. We're like, oh yeah. But that's us. We're 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 yeah. you know when I do that, I'm I'm judging, and I, I ought not do that. Yeah, uh, if you went to Franciscan, you'd see a lot of those, which is interesting. I guess I just asked a question because I'm just kind of curious of sort of, I guess a little bit of the aesthetics, but it's just it's an interesting question, right? Because we're moving into a, a whole new age, and when you still have some people who like really really want to be in the 1700s, and then you have some people who are like you may be too far into 2022. So I guess I was just asking in sense of like. I don't know, what does that look like? Sort of what I listen to? Because I think when I think about what a modern Catholic would be a young one, it's obviously, you know, someone who's who's modest, hopefully has a decent taste and style, understands how to dress at mass, um, is sort of reading and maybe has a little bit of an idea. I, I guess maybe like the, they have a, a place in everything, right? Like I think that's what we kind of hope a modern young Catholic would be to really attract all things. I guess what it really is is like, Pierre Giorgio Frassati. I think that's what the modern young Catholic should try to look like, like someone who could be sort of objectively attractive and did all these stuff and climbing mountains and he had pipe in his mouth and all this crazy stuff, but was so fervently convicted into the Catholic faith. And I guess, you know, I guess that would be my, my answer for that one. Um, okay. As we round out as someone who is um, a Spotify playlist maker, you know, a man, like I said, a, a true man of the people, you know what I mean? Um, let's go with, I'm trying to think here. All right, we're going to go with two. Two movies, two books, and then two bands, artists, whatever, for the modern young Catholic trad. And now okay. if you need if you need a more specific person, just maybe me. Maybe you're just talking to me. I need two All of right. those for you. Me as a people. Okay, good. Let's do one at a time. So what was okay. the first one? We'll do movies. Two movies first. Okay, and I, I'm going to do it. I'll have a little caveat here. Um, I think we get it. Man for all seasons. Those are good. Let's try to, as much as I, I'm not trying to distract those, but I think it'd be more interesting if you said, here are two really great sort of, I guess, quote unquote, secular movies, which puts you in like the 50s to 70s probably, but those are still great times for movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to pick only two, so I'll just throw out a few, though. One that comes to mind, people are going to laugh at me, Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom is such a great movie, and uh, it was very tempting to actually list that as one of my, my three, and I, I think it's going to take an honorary position there. The reason why I might throw that out for a young, traditional Catholic guy is because while on one hand people might argue this is not traditional, this is about a guy that is a stay-at-home father, the circumstance brought him to that. It takes place in the 1980s. It's in Detroit. He was a, an engineer. It's Michael Keaton that plays the role. Mm, okay. And sure. he, uh, he loses his job, and so he is put in a position where he's at home and he's trying to find work as an engineer. It's very difficult. His wife goes ahead and goes into the job market because they need to have... Um, an income. So she's now working and he's the one that's the stay-at-home father. It's kind of a light-hearted movie. It's cheesy. Uh, John Hughes wrote it. It's, it's a really good one. But what I like about it too, and the reason why I might say this is good for traditional Catholics is because it really does illustrate fatherhood versus motherhood and how they work in partnership with each other and how one might try to fulfill the other role, and they could certainly do it, and they could put their effort in and, and rear their children very well, but there's still going to be something maybe missing. Um, and it's it's just done very well, I think, in this movie, and it's, it's comedic. I don't think there's a lot of good um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Chemistry between Michael Keaton and Terry Gar in it. Maybe I, I would have recast Terry Gar, but it's a really good one. Okay. Um, you have another one? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to say two more very quickly. The Mission, which if you haven't seen it, it's really good. And that's a very Catholic movie. Mm-hmm. And it's De Niro and it's Jeremy Irons and De Niro is a uh, a conquistador and converts. He goes through a huge conversion, becomes a priest, and the whole movie is about uh, repentance and forgiveness and trying to figure out if what direction one should take when it comes to um, attack. If it means martyrdom or if it means uh, punching back. And it's a it's a great one. I recommend that one. Last one, uh, I guess Serpico, uh, Al Pacino back in 1973, where he it's a true story. He was a New York City cop, and he exposed the corruption there. And he's the only guy that's trying to do the the right moral thing, and it's, it's driving him nuts because no one's on his side, and his life is falling apart because of it. Uh, I think now and then. As Catholics in the world, especially depending on where you live, I'm I'm in D.C. and sometimes we feel a little bit alone that we're the only ones that. And this isn't the case. There's a really good Catholic community here, but sometimes you look around and it's it's crazy how much pro-abortion stuff is out there and how much uh, debauchery is being celebrated here and. <laughs> It's it could it could feel very lonely at times, but it's also kind of a joy to be in that that place where we're fighting back, even just in our home and praying and just living the way that that we believe God wants us to in our vocation. So I think Serpico is really good. It's kind of a fun illustration of that in a in a minimal way. Yeah, these are pretty in depth, and also I haven't watched any of these movies, so I feel a little bit. <laughs> I feel like I'm lacking a little bit here. Okay, um, how about a couple books? I mentioned one earlier, and I think that how the church built Western civilization by Thomas E. Woods is a great one because it's apologetics and it highlights the contributions we've had to Western civilization. It's just interesting, though. And if you don't want to read, there's a whole uh, series of it on YouTube that you can watch. I don't remember how many hours it is. It might take a couple of days to watch the whole thing from Mm. beginning to end. But it's great. Um, Another one, maybe um, Leisure, the Basis of Culture by Joseph Pieper. And I think many times we forget that leisure is not only important but necessary, and it's mm-hmm. not because because we might get burned out from our our hustle and grind, but it's really because we're human and we need that, and we need that time to reflect. That's why Sunday leisure is so important. It's really meant so that we can reflect on on stuff that's greater than us. So I would say that one too. Yeah, those I, I definitely want to get into that. I think the leisure one's a good one too because I think a lot of us aren't sure how to use it sometimes as like a Catholic. Cause you know, there's times when people who are working really tough jobs just want to sit back and be like couch potatoes. And there's definitely space and time for certain of the different activities of leisure. Um, okay. Last one. I'm just going to say music. Cause you could point that in the right direction you want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to listen to good music, you can go to my Spotify. Uh, Spotify is free, by the way. I don't pay for it. You can just, but you're gonna have to listen to some commercials in the middle. Uh, oh. But yeah. But as far as I, I, I'll say a few things. Um, I really love '70s Brazilian funk and samba, and I think it should have had its day. It. I think for a lot of college students, they flocked to, and maybe this was before your time, a lot of them flocked to reggae. So they were listening to 70s Jamaican music, and it's good, and and it's fun. But I feel like 70s Brazilian funk should have had its day, and I don't think it did. I think it's very underappreciated. 
So maybe uh, Jorge Benjor is good. Gilberto Gil, uh, Gal Costa, Astrid Gilberto. Uh, they're all good. And then maybe just a lot of surf rock, whether we're looking at 60s surf rock or things a little bit more current. I think girl surf rock, like current girl surf rock, is actually better than a lot of the guys' stuff because it's a little bit more innocent. It's less debaucherous. So bands like Best Coast or the Summer Twins or Vivian Girls, I'd say them too. Wow, that, yeah, that's fascinating. I didn't know where you are going to go with that. That was that was some interesting ones to throw out. You know, I like that's a little bit weird. I really love Spanish guitar. I think more people should oh, yeah. appreciate that stuff. That stuff's amazing. Like that's flamenco. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, like there's one that so there's one actually on Apple Music, and I just looked up Spanish guitar, and there's like this just playlist of it, and I just go through that sometimes. And it was after I watched Money Heist, so I was very much in sort of the Spain type vibe at that time. So I think that really helped yeah. out. Now, but, Gypsy um, Kings are great. Like, I love that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, I think that'll do. We're basically about an hour here. I don't want to take any more uh, of your time. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I had a lot of fun. I think there's hopefully some room for more stuff down the road. Um, I would encourage all of our listeners, please go check out St. Wave. Um, there's a lot of great stuff there. And uh, if you're a young and you need some some real inspiration on sort of the 80s and, and what good vibes look like uh, i'd encourage you to check out saint wave um but thank you so much for being on uh that wraps up this episode we'll see you guys on the next one